we had no music there, huh? New intro. Hey, internet. Welcome to the game. Hope you can hear me. Uh, If you're just joining us, we are a tabletop talk show and podcast brought to you by Dungeon Studios. Uh, We go beyond live play and dive deep into every topic from session zeros to campaign heroes. Uh, With lively debates, thoughtful analysis, and plenty of laughs, our weekly podcast is the perfect companion for any D&D fan. Uh, We stream live and interact with our chat on Facebook every Monday at about... (laughs) 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. So hello, chat. If you're out there, say hi to me tonight. Uh, You will notice that I am on my own tonight. I am Giddis. Our ever loquacious Dr. Platorius will not be with us this evening, but we wish him the best. Uh, Never fear, he'll be back next week to rock your socks off with his magical Q&A, which I absolutely adore. Um, I love diving deep into those historical facts. So, uh... With that introduction, uh, I was also going to be joined by a new host. Uh, We will have to meet him next week, Uh, but uh, never fear, you'll get to see and hear about all his his adventures. All right, so... (laughs) gonna apologize now I'm gonna be awkward on my own I don't have my other co-host to kind of like land things on Um, but here we go I'm gonna give it my best shot all right last week we talked about changing the name of one of our segments Uh, it was formerly shit I forgot shit we forgot Uh, last week we tossed about maybe calling it housekeeping. Um, that just didn't quite land for me. I didn't like it. Um, took a week to think about it. And I think we are going to call it the retcon rewind. I like that. So we're going to go with that. But if you guys think of another name that would fit better, uh, please let me know. Uh, like I said in the chat, talk with me guys. I'm, I'm drowning out here. Um, but anyway, this segment is going to be, uh, just a quick segment to cover any clarifications, corrections, anything that we meant to say in the last episode, but we forgot. So with that last week, when it was just doc and I, we talked about, uh, the evil dead Uh, cabin. We talked about the new Evil Dead movie that's coming out. And by the way, the reviews I have seen this week are fantastic. I hear that it's just the scariest thing people have seen. I have not seen it yet because I can't go see it by myself because I love scary stuff, but I get scared very easily. (laughs) So I can't go see it by myself and I gotta wait. Um, My husband's out of town. So once he's back and I have like my protector with me, I will go see this movie. Uh, But in the meantime, we talked about the cabin and what its current status was. And I said that I believe the cabin is no more. Um, But I had to do some research. I had to just make sure that I was telling the truth. So um, what I found was that after the release of the first Evil Dead, I didn't realize this. After the release of the first Evil Dead movie, the cabin burned down because trespassers snuck in onto the property. It's a private property. (laughs) And they snuck in and they decided to have a a party. So um, I guess after that, all that was left was just like the fireplace. That was the only thing that was left that you could tell like, oh, there was a building here or there was a structure here. Um, And with each movie, 
they just continued to like rebuild the cabin, but just, you know, exterior only or whatever they needed for, for the shots that they were doing. So, um, and they've also rebuilt it in several locations. <laughs> so that cabin is no more, sorry to say. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up in this Retcon Rewind, last week I mentioned that I'm, I'm a dice goblin and, uh, I collect dice and I also love Arby's even though I can't eat it anymore and Arby's was selling dice um, for there was one day I think it was the 17th and then they they did advertise that they were going to sell it again on the 21st and that they tend to sell out in hours so I gave it my best on the 21st and I went into the website and uh, sure enough I think the second that they opened it up to the internet, it was already sold out. They had people commenting going, this is ridiculous that you even told us that, uh, not me, but that Arby's said, we're going to sell dice because the second that they opened it up to the public, they were already gone. And I went out to eBay because I was just curious, you know, they're $12 dice from Arby's. What would they go for on eBay? And uh, they were going for 500 bucks. So I said I would pay double for them if anybody got them but i'm not paying 500 bucks for these dice so sorry if you missed out if you didn't let me know because i will be your best friend um but yeah arby's dice they got sold out very sad so that's it for my retcon rewind um and now we're gonna move on to nerd news and um Again, gosh, if you guys are out there, chat, let me know how you feel about some of this stuff because I I used to, I, I love having the back and forth with someone else who's either seen it or hasn't seen it or doesn't know anything about it. And here, here we go. Hopefully, the people who are listening to us that are watching us tonight have seen The Venture Brothers because I love it. Um, but if you are a fan of The Venture Brothers, you know that they kind of left us hanging. I think it was like the seventh season left us hanging and it's been years with no news of whether or not they're going to put out another season. What's happening <laughs> with Venture Brothers? Um, it's a really great show. And considering that, um, uh, wow, my brain's going blank. But you know, the show that is like the doc and the kid, the crazy doc, why can't I think of the name? My brain's going. Anyway, chat, help me out. But that show, animated show, very adult themes, very deep and dark. So is Venture Brothers. It's it's fantastic. Uh, anyway, news this week. They announced that there will be a Venture Brothers movie called Radiant is the Blood of the Baboon Heart. And from what I understand, reading the news on this, is that um, they have not announced that they're going to be doing an eighth season. However, the movie should kind of provide some answers for whatever cliffhangers and open-ended things they left for us in the last season and I think one of the major questions is where is Hank where did he end up in so if you go out search for the trailers um, check them out because there's at least a little bit of a clue that they find Hank or that we know where Hank is now um, anyway just wanted to share with y'all because if you haven't heard I need this show to just continue so I need you all to watch it <laughs> keep it in business um, as Doc likes to say, I just like to promote everything. I like to promote other things. Um, yeah. Next up, 
boy, I feel like I'm talking really fast, guys. Slow me down. Next up. Okay. Mandalorian. I can't talk about Mandalorian. And I'm really sad about it because I am not caught up. We have not been caught up in our family anyway. Um, We have a person in this house that works rotating schedules and the shows that we all watch together, we have to just wait until we're all together. And that hasn't happened in a few weeks. So um, we're a little bit behind on Mandalorian. But from what I understand, because it's not going to ruin anything for me, I have the memory of a mouse. I don't even know if that makes any sense. Um, The season finale of The Mandalorian was, from what I understand, um very awesome and almost like they woke up from some kind of slumber that they were in that this entire season has just been this very strange like messy thing and then all of a sudden the last episode they just woke up and went oh we forgot this is how we make a good show (laughs) is what I understand so you guys tell me um I'm excited to finally see the series or the season finale not the series finale please um I also understand that they have season four already written so oh okay well someone's saying it's the best season yet see I don't know maybe it's just our disconnectedness we haven't watched the show like regularly like every week we're watching it in clumps here and there and maybe that's why I haven't connected with this season very much so interesting well you guys let me know because I can't wait to see the ending um And I'm glad that season four is already written because that means we don't have to wait. Hopefully, we don't have to wait a while to get to it. (sighs) Okay, I'm going to take a breath here because (laughs) for anybody who's in the chat, you're probably going to disagree disagree with me here. But I am slightly excited that there is going to be, there has been an announcement that Twilight is getting a TV series. (laughs) And I could probably hear the internet yelling at me right now. Okay, yes. So many people are divided on Twilight. So many people hate it. And there are people that love it and probably don't want to admit that they love it anymore. Because, I mean, I understand. I do. I really, really do. And I love Twilight. I love the books. The movies were okay. But I don't know. I'm kind of, I don't, I guess here. Let me just tell you what I saw. Okay. News of the announcement of this TV series is divided. Just like I said, the fans are divided because there are people who are diehard fans and there are people who are fans who are now embarrassed to admit it. And then there's the people that just absolutely hate it. I'm kind of confused, actually, as to why they're choosing to make this into a TV series. I don't, I don't, I mean... Because it's not, I mean, yeah, they have a fan base, but they're so divided. So this is like a real risk for them to make this into a TV show. And they're not going to have the three main folks, right? The Well, I mean, it's, it's from what I understand, they will have Bella, Edward, and oh gosh, the werewolf guy. Okay, see, that's how much of a fan I am. Jake, Jacob, that sounds right. Okay, but they're not going to have the same actors that played them. So... This could be interesting um, who they pick to kind of uh, headline this show and and make it a success. Um, I guess we'll find out what happens. Uh, So, yeah, go ahead, Internet, yell at me. (laughs) Um, 
But I am excited for this next one. Okay, these are all TV shows, announcements for TV shows, movies, things like that, right? This next one, I am excited about. And I think that they can do it justice because Paramount is big on all their Star Trek shows. They are all doing well, from what I understand, all their tar- all the Star Trek shows. Um, we have, oh gosh, oh gosh, oh, I'm going to forget it. The show that it's like star trek but it has the guy from family guy okay chat help me out uh the guy shoot and it's like a kind of it's supposed to be a parody of star wars and the name is stuck on the tip of my tongue but anyway i'm sure you guys are nerds you probably know what tv show i'm talking about anyway my point is these types of tv shows are doing really really well so Galaxy Quest, gosh, I hope you guys are with me on this because the movie Galaxy Quest, I love this movie. It is so dumb. It is a dumb movie. I agree. But it is so good and it feeds my nerdy heart every time I can watch it over and over and over again. I love the movie. And they are making it into a TV series. Paramount is. And Paramount does really well with these things. So I have a lot of hope. The Orville. Thank you. Yes. Chat, you're with me once again. Yes. The Orville. L- Honestly? Okay, I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to step back here because I have time, right? It's just me on this show. I could talk all night. But the Orville. Okay. There was a friend of mine. He may be listening, but he told me to watch the Orville. Took me a while to get around to it because I'm like, nah, you know, who wants to watch a spoofy thing about Star Trek? Like, yeah, I'm sure it's funny, but whatever. And then I started watching it. And I, I watched for the laughs. But honestly, the further this series went on, and I'm not so sure about this last series that the Orville had, or the last season. But the further I watched the Orville, I almost, oh, it's so sacrilege to say it. I, I almost know if I can't say it, but I almost like it better than Star Trek. Because there's the funny, but it's it's tamed down funny. And they have more seriousness in that show than I ever expected. So maybe it's because I was blindsided. Maybe that's why I like the Orville so much. But, and I couldn't even remember the name. (laughs) But um, anyway, going back to Galaxy Quest, Paramount is picking this up for a TV series. I am very excited about this because they do it well. I think they're going to do a great job. So looking forward to that, looking forward to more details on that. And that is not all of my news, but that is my news that involves movies, shows, things like that. (laughs) But here's some big news, and I am really excited to share this with you. Oh my goodness, guys. Okay, I'm digging in. I'm digging in. Over the weekend, on Saturday, if you're a D&D nerd, you have probably heard that the uh, Guinness World Book of Records now has a new entry to add that there has been the largest D&D game played ever with 1,227 players. They participated in a giant D&D game at the Provo Town Center Mall, which is in Utah, on Saturday. And uh, this is what was fascinating to me is I saw the story come out and I saw several news sites that were that were reporting on this. I read them all because to me, 
my first thought was, how? <laughs> how did they pull this off? For various reasons, right? How 1,200 players plus, how do you get them all to commit, to show up on time, to stay the whole time? They had 200 DMs. Again, how did you get them all to commit? They weren't paid. Like, <laughs> And then how do you run a game, which is all one game for that many people in the amount of time that they did, which I'm going to get back to in a second. That was my first question. And I said, how long did this take? And I looked at every single report I could find online. No one mentioned how long the game took, the hows, the hows, any of the hows. And that was baffling to me. And the only reason I can think of that this wasn't reported on as well is because the people who are reporting on it, they're, they're, you know, they work for online news sites and they don't know anything about D&D. They don't understand the, the complexity, I'm sure, that is involved with planning a game of this scale. So I was really frustrated when I couldn't find answers to my questions. And today I was on Facebook and I, you know, I'm on sev several different, you know, like Facebook forums that deal with D&D. And somebody shared a link to one of the news stories. And uh, they were just, you know, oh, this is so awesome. Oh, it was in Utah. Oh, great. And I saw someone. Um, their name is Alex. Uh, they commented and said, oh, I participated in this as a player. And I went, oh, that's great. Okay, I just have one question. So I, I went directly to Alex and I said, Alex, how long did this game take? Because it, nowhere, anywhere that I could find, did they say how long the game took? And they said, oh, it was four hours. Four hours. <laughs> Guys, I can't even play. I can't run a game for two people. That's like a one shot for four hours, literally on the dot, because there's, you know, questions involved and, oh, they're going to get sidetracked and this and that. And like, I it just it that already boggled my mind. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, Alex just answered my question. Alex participated as a player. And I took Alex aside on the interwebs and I said, hey, I am in a unique position to, um, ask you some questions and get some answers. And I'm on a podcast. And if you don't mind, I would love to talk with you and report on it tonight because A, I'm not seeing any of this info on, on any other website. And I'm assuming, I mean, I don't want to be so bold as to say we are the first podcast to be reporting on it. I hope we are. That would be cool. But um, yeah. So I said, hey, Alex, um, can I talk with you? And Alex said, yes, sure. And I said, great. So I spent about an hour talking with Alex. And and then I will get to Alex's answers in just a second. As I'm talking with Alex and I realize Alex is a player, I am missing a side of this. And that's the DM. There were 200 DMs there. And I went back through that Facebook post and I was looking for like, is there anybody on here that has said, I ran one of the games. I ran one of the games. And I found someone and his name was JD. And so I reached out to JD and I said, hey, <laughs> same thing. I was like, oh, my God, am I going to strike lightning twice? So I said, hey, JD, I, I'm reaching out to people who were there. I'm on a podcast. Can I please talk with you and share what you know? And JD was nice enough. So both Alex and JD were just so nice and pleasant. And I pretty much talked with both of them, you know, online back and forth for about an hour each, let's say. So... 
here it is, guys. You guys are going to hear some of these details that you won't see anywhere else. I'm fairly certain. I'm pretty, pretty deep with my my fact hunting. All right. So um, some of this stuff you will have heard. Some of it you won't. So there is a shop in this Provo, Utah mall called We Geek Together. And they, when they opened their shop, they decided that they would, um, they, they've always wanted to run something like this. And so they advertised it, but minimally, which that already blows my mind. You minimally advertise. And yes, the D&D community is very, we're strong. You know, we like to stick together. And as soon as you hear about something like that, you're like, yeah, I want to help you get into the Guinness World Book of Records. Why not? So, but it was minimally advertised. And they weren't paying anybody to do this. And uh, ahead of time, anybody who was going to be a player, you had to go onto their website, you had to register. Anybody who was going to be a player, they were told that they could create and bring a level five character with one uncommon magic item. All right. So every player, all 1,200 plus players, level five. The DMs, if you were registered to be a DM, then ahead of the game, they were all given packets with information about the game and maps. All right. So each DM was already provided maps. I mean, sorry, I'm just my mind is blown because I'll get to that. My mind is blown. All right. And then these maps that they were given, the DMs could choose to make terrain to match those maps. They could either use the maps that they were provided or they could make the terrain themselves, as long as it matched the map. Now, the way that the game is run, this this is fascinating to me. Okay, so imagine a two-story mall. And if you, <laughs> I went to their website, this, this We Geek Together company, they have a website. And I went to their website and through some various links and stuff, I found there was video of this event uh, pre, pre it starting. And they literally took up the entire mall top floor and bottom floor, the entire mall full of people, okay? Um, they had 200-something tables, and each table was, you know, I think a max of seven players. And the tables were literally spread throughout the entire mall. And then somewhere in the center, I'm assuming, um, there was a stage, and there's what they call the master DM. He had his microphone, and so he was communicating out the story and then there were roughly 200 other DMs that or moderators that would walk around the entire mall and kind of they would be the go between between this master DM and the players at the table with the other DMs. Excuse me. And so um, and from what I understand, a lot of these folks were costumed as well, which is just fantastic. So the master DM, you know, relays the story. And then it gets trickled around throughout everyone who's playing. And then as they're playing, things will kind of trickle back to the moderators, which then trickle back to the master DM. All right. If you're trying to follow me here with how this this is working. Um, yeah. So, all right. I'm trying I'm trying to wrap my brain around how I'm going to explain this to you. So when the game started. From what I understand, from what I saw, there were also, and I don't know if these were the moderators or these were other people, but there were costumed performers that would role play on the stage to enact the story. And here's the story, the overall 
overarching story of the session is that the players were all defending a city or a, a keep within a city from Vecna's armies. And the game itself, the session was split into different acts that each DM had a set amount of time to get through before the next act happened. And uh, so, for example, like every table had kind of a different goal or different agenda. Okay. They each had a different, a separate part of the battlefield, if you will. So, for instance, when I talked with Alex, um, who was a player, Alex's table was in charge of the gates and they had to decide who to let in through the main gate. Uh, you know, they, they might accidentally let in, uh, you know, someone from Vecna's army who's, who might be, who might be in hiding or disguise, or, you know, it could be, it could be anyone. Um, so that was their, their table's objective and any successes or failures would be marked and reported to the moderators and then their actions, their table's actions could or would have an effect on the whole game. Uh, JD's table, they were cavalry. So their table, it was their job to take out the siege engines that were attacking the city. So now, if now that you're kind of understanding the concept of the game, and you can kind of imagine this entire mall, first story and second story, to be the battlefield, and your table is in charge of a piece of this battle. It, it, it's fantastic. Um, so eventually... Uh, through the various, you know, stages of the story, Vecna's army broke through the defenses. Um, and what I heard from some of the reports is that the entire crowd, now when I say the entire crowd, imagine the entire mall booed. I mean, could you imagine being the, the master DM and for whatever reason, because maybe a couple tables failed at something or maybe it was meant to happen, who knows? But Vecna's armies break through and an entire mall is booing. I mean, that would give me chills if I was there. All right. So then the final portion of the battle, uh, from what I understand, is that there were pieces of Vecna or what they call vessels of Vecna, pieces of Vecna's soul um, that each table had to fight. And each table had it's part of the story but there was like a there was a god that like I, I believe had to die and then imbued her power into these spears and each table had a spear and if they could in this final battle impale Vecna uh, or the vessel then that table's damage could be added to the total in the final moment um so I mean that's to say not every table's going to succeed um, but if you did, then those points were part of the tally in ending Vecna or defeating Vecna. Um, I just, I don't know. As a DM, this is fascinating to me how you could manage a game for that many people. And the way that this was done, I think it, it was done very cleverly um, because it didn't, it could have gone very railroady. It could have just been a very... Um, well, this is going to happen anyway. And every table succeeds. Every table gets a piece of Vecna. You know, like I could see how it would be easy to do that just just to do it. Because, you know, why go through the difficulty of like, oh, no, what if they don't kill Vecna? <laughs> but they did. I, I thought it was very well done. And you managed to do it in four hours. Um, 
So what I what I heard uh, after talking with JD and Alex is that awards were given at the end of this game. Um, so this is this is also another cool thing. They had scorecards at their table at each table. And they were tracking um, various things like who rolled the most nat 20s, who rolled the most nat 1s, most damage in one hit, most healing done, things like that. They tracked this with a card. And then at the end of the game, these cards get turned in and awards were passed out to the players. So I thought that was another really great thing. Um, Considering how many people are there, that is wild to me that they were able to track that in real time and calculate that and then pass out awards like they had everything whoever planned this just hats off to you (laughs) because I have planned large-scale events okay I don't know if any of you out there are Filipino but when you're Filipino like it's just ingrained in you you have a family of a million and you plan every event is a large-scale event but this is massive so I am blown away um The other thing, like I mentioned before, that was just really wild to me is that, again, 200 DMs committed for this, committed to do this without any, you know, prospect of pay. The only thing I could think of at the time was, well, if you know that this is a chance to get into the, you know, world records, Guinness World Book of Records, then sure, you know, that's that's an incentive to commit. But I asked JD because he was a DM and I was curious, like, was that an incentive for you or, you know, was it something else? And JD said, you know, personally, I've just been a DM for 25 years and I just wanted to help, Um, which I can see as well. I mean, there are plenty of DMs out there that just they love to do this stuff and they want to run it and they want to, um, you know, teach people and share it. And from from what I uh at the end of me and JD's conversation, he did share that the table that he ran for, they had such a good experience that he is now running a regular game for them, which again, I mean, imagine, imagine, I mean, Utah's pretty, from what I understand, their D&D community is huge. But now you have all those people that have been exposed to all these DMs and all these other players Oh man, their D&D culture is going to go wild out there. Uh, the other thing, sorry, I'm just going to keep saying the other thing. Maybe that's my catchphrase, guys. Stop me. Um, I can really see this being the next big thing. I mean, you don't have to break a record, but the fact that you can use a mall as a space that large and malls, malls need the foot traffic, right? Malls are, I feel like malls are dying nowadays because of Amazon and, you know, the big box stores. Like, I don't, when's the last time you've been to a mall? I haven't been to a mall in a while. Uh, so I think the malls could use the traffic if they were smart. If malls were smart, and I'm not saying they are, but if malls were smart, they, <laughs> they would get up on this and start hosting large-scale D&D games just because. Uh, it would be good for the mall. It would be good for people. Just saying. <laughs> so anyway, um, that is what I have to report on. Oh, gosh, I hope I didn't forget anything. I spent so much time today just being so excited, being able to talk with Alex, being able to talk with JD was 
so exciting for me. I felt like I was hitting something at the ground floor that no one else had done. Now, maybe they had, but I haven't seen it. So I just want to thank them for letting me ply them with a million questions today. Okay, and I think, I think that's the end of nerd news. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Woo, let me catch my breath. That was a lot. All right, so we're moving on, guys, into your week in games. Um, And what's great, granted, I don't have another person here with me, but I have a little summary from the game that was played at Dungeon Studios. Um, As we mentioned last week, Dungeon Studios has a game that they are starting to run uh, in the world of Enron. And here is the summary that I received. So the famous merchant, Bludgy Hailbread, I'm going to pause you right there because that name is fantastic. I, there's no description here yet of what bludgy hailbread looks like, but I can imagine. <laughs> All right. The famous merchant, bludgy hailbread, has put out a call for a group of skilled adventurers to aid his city. Our group of seven adventurers have answered the call, eager for the chance at glory and riches. Two of the party members, a happy-go-lucky Zenithil barbarian and a quick-witted shattered rogue, were already in town and had decided to pass the time in a local tavern until the rest of the group arrived. As they chatted and drank, they were approached by a strange and scrappy-looking tiefling who ultimately swindled the two out of their gold. Meanwhile, the rest of the party, a towering dragonborn druid, a wise and enigmatic kobold bard, a charming and suave shattered reaper, a quiet and focused scurglish combat medic. Wow, I have not yet learned everything there is about Enaron, but I want to know what a scurglish is. I should know. I'm gonna. That's that's gonna be for my uh, my retcon rewind next week. I'm gonna figure out what these things are. Okay, a quiet and focused scurglish combat ma- medic, and a sprightly ASMR brawler. So that's the party. They were making their way to the town by ship. During their voyage, they discovered a young elven stowaway hiding in the cargo hold. However, they began to suspect that he might be more than he seemed. The session ends with the party being reunited at the tavern, awaiting dawn to meet with the famous merchant to receive more details on the quest. One thing's for sure. The party will need to travel through dangerous terrain battle fierce monsters, and solve cunning puzzles to reach their goal? Will they be able to overcome the dangers and obstacles that stand in their way, or will they fall to the perils of the land? Only time will tell. The adventure has only just begun. That was a great summary. I felt like I was doing a little uh, like Batman uh, radio play here. Same bat time, same bat channel. Will they make it out alive? We'll find out next week. (laughs) So, all right, cool little summary. I have some research to do and figure out what some of these uh, races and classes are. I want to find out what bludgy hailbread looks like. I'll report back to you guys next week. So that's just a quick little recap of the game that was played at Dungeon Studios. My week in gaming was wild. Um, All right, so... I've been on the show for a few weeks now, and so far the only game I've talked about is the game that I run. The game that I play in is a very different matter. (laughs) The game that I play in, 
my DM is is old school and for lack of a better word, he's rough. It's it's rough being in his game because it's it goes to dark places and if you die, you die. Like it's just woo, he don't go easy on you. So my character in this game, now that this is the first time you guys are hearing about it, and again, it's just me. I'm going to take my time. Um, the character in this game, because I know, like I said, it's going to be a very dark uh, campaign with dark themes. And I wanted to play, initially, I just wanted to play like a fighter, somebody that was kind of like part of an elite force of fighters, right? Um, so my character, Mariel... She is a wood elf, um, but she, when I say wood elf, you know, most people kind of imagine like, you know, foresty and green and blah. No, no, no. We're from the tundra. Like we're snow elves and we're very hardy and very tribal and very um, (laughs) self-sufficient. And there is an elite force of fighters up there. um, And because we're elite, I wanted her to have a very elite weapon <laughs> a very unique weapon so she's a chain fighter and uh which I just I man ever since I've created her and I've been playing her now for six years I think you guys heard that on my first episode but um it's been so much fun to play her and her backstory is pretty dark and I'll just I'll just um sum it up to say that because she was part of this elite force she went uh, she was she was instructed by the elders, the counts, the elder council, whatever you want to say, um, to take a um, band of uh, like they weren't scientists; they were like uh, ex excavators. That doesn't sound right. Ex, you know, people who go into tombs and take things out. I should know, but anyway. <laughs> um, so I was supposed to escort them to this like long abandoned temple that was like a day or two days away or something to that effect and they wanted to stay a week and by the end of the week they hadn't found anything and so uh my character decided to let them stay one extra day right what's one extra day gonna hurt and in that one extra day my uh town my city was um ambushed by frost giants and my family and my fiance were killed by these frost giants and so she basically went crazy. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Quigley Down Under, um, I'm not a Western person, but that's probably the closest thing to a Western that I will say I love. And if you've ever seen Quigley Down Under, there is a character called Crazy Cora who is she's so traumatized by something in her past that she believes this guy is someone else. And so I basically put that on my character to say she went so crazy when her family and her fiance died, that now she wanders, you know, she wandered the land for a while before she met her party and would see the face, the faces of her loved ones, especially her fiance in strangers and would just start talking to strangers like she knew them. Um, And, you know, she was very unkempt, very untidy, very gross. And then she met the party and that's when everything started. The game started. So that's the background, just so you kind of have some understanding of what's going on here. But throughout her adventures, uh, we're now level 14, 15, somewhere around there. We're getting close to the end of the campaign. Um, 
I decided to level her up in Barbarian. It just made a lot of sense. Um, she's so angry. I mean, she's she's not crazy so much anymore. But now the next stage is anger <laughs> and she wants to get revenge. So um, anyway, now on to the session. So as a party right now, we are traveling through the planes. It's almost like the campaign feels kind of like a planescape campaign um, because we are trying to get to Sigil uh, via, you know, travel through the planes and and not teleporting we have to like you know walk on foot use sky ships what have you to find the next area so right now we're in the plane of ash which is it borders um the plane of air and the plane of fire and oh boy all right so i'm trying to figure out you know i mean this is six years of campaign i'm trying to figure out how to explain what happened to you without getting too deep into the weeds so we're in the plane of ash and there is a character. His name's Dormu. Uh, he is our total monk ranger. Well, my character, Mariel, has attached herself to him because when he joined us, he's he's a monk ranger, right? But he's very much like, you know, pe he's very calm and peaceful. And so, and, and he, when we met, he was old also. Um, so because she respects her elders, she said, I'm going to attach myself to this guy as a mentor um and he has worked with her on like calming her rage but she has also taught him like hey there's a place and time for rage so they're a great duo it's a lot of fun when we role play together and uh while we're in the plane of ash we get confronted by an npc that's in his background um and she used to be his friend, but then has turned, gone to the dark side, super dark side, right? And basically <laughs> is standing in front of a temple where, and, and it's one of those temples that has like, imagine, okay, you guys can see my hands here. Okay. Two tall towers in the back of the temple. And on one tower, all the way up at the top, there is one of our old friends, an old and an old PC, but now taken over by the DM, who's strapped to that tower. And on this tower, attached is a gith, a gith yankee, gith, yeah, that we need to be able to get to the Lady of Pain. So somehow this person from Dormu's past has gotten these two people, strapped them up onto towers and given us a choice and basically said, you know, you can take one or the other, but you're not getting both and you need to make this, this decision. And the... PC, the one who's not the gif, is in Mariel's backstory, my backstory. He was one of the first players that I I talked to as if he was my fiance, my dead fiance. And there could have been something that could have gone on there, except that basically that player decided I I want to change to a different character. Um, so that PC got taken over by the DM and and left our party. And she's been kind of trying to track him ever since because she thought that that's her fiance. Like, why would he leave? Why didn't, you know, where did he go? Why isn't he with us? Um, so when she saw him, she basically, huh, you know, her choice is clear. She's going to save that guy. Who cares about the gith, right? But I know everyone else is like, we need to get to the the lady of pain we can't miss out on getting this gift so dormu in this and this i mean i 
this must be hard for you guys as listeners to feel anything for these characters because you don't know them. But as a player at that table, it was just very stressful knowing Dormu is pulled towards this bad character area who has taken our friends. I'm pulled towards Vasio, who's attached to the tower. Everyone else, I'm assuming, is pulled towards the Gith. And there's going to be a betrayal. There's going to be a death. It definitely felt like a no-win situation. It felt like whatever we chose was going to be bad. And we knew it. So Dormu starts moving forward, talking with Aria. And before he gets to Aria, I grab his hand because I know the second that I go for Vasio, I feel like I'm going to betray him. And he's my my like bestest friend in the game. It's going to be a betrayal. So I had to whisper to him, sorry, you know, I'm going to do this. And that's all I said. And then I let him go. And he went and walked towards Aria. And he was trying to have a conversation. Because he's Dormu and he's calm and peaceful. But he walked towards Aria and he fell into a pit trap. So... Uh, once he fell into the pit trap, she summoned this like demon creature that we could tell had like a finger of death going on. Even the mini, the finger that's pointing is like painted green. Okay. We all knew it's finger of death happening here. Um, and then she starts walking into the temple. Well, we have a wizard and a bard in our party and they both, their backstories are tied to each other. So they're very close. The characters are very close as well. And so they just kind of looked at each other like, okay, you take the left, I'll take the right. And they both at the same time, kind of because of party initiative, uh, basically went for each of the characters that were attached to these towers. Uh, one took the left, one took the right. So even though, and, and because I don't want a metagame, I heard them say that, but my character is still going to be like, no, I want that one. That's the one we're going to save. I don't care about the other one. So I, I'm also heading towards one of the characters that we're going to try to save. Once they get to the characters on top of the tower, they both can see that there are like glowing glyphs behind them. So not only are they bound to these towers, but there's glowing glyphs behind them. And they immediately realized, oh, yeah, this is definitely a no-win situation. As soon as we pull one and save one, the other one's probably going to explode. And so I'm just thankful that I was not the only one that was like, oh, I'm going to make a tough choice here that people won't like. Because the wizard, he had held a spell. He had held a spell to teleport. The, he went for the gith. So he was going to grab the gith, teleport away. But he said, I'm going to hold it until the bard gets to the other one so we can both do it together, like at the same time. And then they saw the glyph. So he had held his spell and he's like, what am I going to do? If I don't use this spell now, it's fizzled and it's a high level spell. So he basically says, fuck it, I'm teleporting. So he grabs the gift and teleports. And sure enough, the bard and Vasio, they're now exploding. The whole tower's crumbling. And because Vasio was unconscious at the time, he died. He died, died. Like as far as we could tell, there was no bringing him back. And the bard, luckily, he only took enough damage. He was fine. He was still conscious. But that at least made it easier for my character because I didn't get to them yet. And so I see them exploding. I'm like, oh, of course, that sucks. But now that I can see Vasio is dead and I know, I mean, my character is like 
magic? What? Like, I know nothing about magic. I don't heal people. I don't save people. I fight. Fighty fight, sticky stick, stabby stab. So uh, I saw Vasio dead and I went, well, okay, then I have to move on to my next priority, which is Dormu. So I went to go help him. And this is where things kind of get fuzzy. Usually at the end of the night, we play late at night. It goes on until close to midnight. And I know that might not be late for some of you. But for me, I'm a little bit of a snowflake when it comes to staying up late. So usually towards the end of the night, things get a little hazy and I have to refer to our notes for the game. So here's what I understand. Here's what everyone told me happened. I go back to save Dormu, or at least to help him. Sorry, not save him. At the time, he wasn't in any danger that I could tell. But then the finger of deaths start happening and they're just going wild. And I got hit pretty hard. Um, I was downed. And when I say downed, like no death saves. <laughs> and that's the first time that I can recall. I mean, it's been years, but this is the first time that my character has died, died. Um, and... Dormu was close to death. I think he did get down at one point. He was down to like two death saves. And so it was a really rough battle. Um, luckily, our bard is also our healer. So um, he was able to bring Dormu back because it was healing. But for some reason, when they tried to revivify me, they couldn't. And there, as far as I know, there was some kind of like a cloak of shadow around me. So I'm not entirely certain what that means. I think they're, they're thinking that like my soul is is gone or like my soul doesn't seem to be tethered for some reason is what I remember hearing so yeah <laughs> that's that's my week in gaming I'm dead I don't know what's going to happen to my character um and we're we're really as I, I think we're close to the end of the campaign so I'm curious I mean I have a character a backup character in mind but man would that kind of suck to have to like meet up with a party who's already been gelled and bonded for so many years and be like hey I'm the new guy I'm gonna help you with this big bad evil guy over here um not sure how that's gonna work so I really hope that my character can come back somehow <laughs> um that and also because uh some of you on our dungeon studio servers might know I posted um art that I had commissioned of my I finally after all this time had artwork commissioned of my character and then I get it and then she dies. So let's hope that that's not the case. Uh, that could be just a memorial piece. Who knows? But uh, that's my week in gaming, guys. So uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, hope you stick around because uh, we're about to go to a break right now. And after we come back from the break, we're going to talk about our topic, which is campaign beginnings. Um, just to give you a little preview, we went out to the interwebs and kind of asked people, how do you start your campaigns? Obviously, there is the you meet in a tavern, um, which is our standard uh, for D&D. But what are some other ways that you can start a campaign? So we're going to be talking about that when we come back from the break. Uh, hope you stick around. Uh, talk with us in the chat because we're going to be uh, asking you guys for some help here if you can. So talk to you soon.
crazy. Killing other players, I'm on one PC. No longevity. Falling up to higher tree. No more HP. No more HP. You better flee. Preparing battlegrounds, level ones in the crowd. Not many are allowed. One crit could bring them down. So squishy from the mold. They're weak but very bold. Took hours to propose, but seconds to dispose. Who starts this alone? You said it. Yeah, they'll get ground to great us. Hello, this front desk. Mm -hmm. I am Grigory Levushka. <coughs> I'm 87 years old and I'm here to this country to visit my great nephew. So I come, I stay at your hotel, yes? Are you asking if we have availability? I am not pleased with stay at hotel. Number one. Oh, you're not pleased. Why I'm you? Sorry. Why you no clean room? It, it stink like orc piss in here. <laughs> like Campbell Fields. I am so sorry. What room are you currently in? Number two. Next door neighbor bang on walls. Like how you say to owl bears. They fight, fighting. <laughs> you know, owl bear. You're in room two. In number three. The toilet growls like beast. It's giving me stink eye. It's make very uncomfortable for me, you know? Basically, a bucanil spiller, Bushka. Would you mind continuing the conversation on your room phone? So, you help me? No. Uh, with the housekeeping? Duh. The toilet has teeth. It have teeth. Why have teeth? Is normal? Yeah. Is normal? Um. I'm sorry, sir. I'm. I'm. I'm not entirely sure what's going on. If you wouldn't mind coming to the front desk, I wouldn't mind assisting you. I. I'd be there as quickly as can. But if Sounds you, good. If you follow the sound of what sound like two owlbear making love on second floor is no good all right see you soon thank
Yeah, it's Aaron. Hey, Aaron, this is Tolan. Hey, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? All right, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Hey, uh, I was wondering if you guys uh, might be able to freeze something for me. What's that? Uh, all right, well, first, I just want you to understand what it is, all right? Uh, listen up. Here's what happened. So things went a little haywire up at Old Outdoor's place the other night. And uh, up at Old Outdoor's place. Uh, okay. and, and one of our fellow party members passed away, right? And my whole party has left to go get the cleric to perform the resurrection. So I was thinking maybe you guys can freeze it for like four or five days. Freeze what? Our party member. You know, you could just oh, stick yeah, her in the back somewhere. She, she's real small, won't take up too much space. We could hang her from one of the hooks. She'll look well, just like a piece of meat. We probably can't freeze her, but we could probably send her down to Chancellor. We could probably do something with her. Go Send her down where? Down to Chancellor up the road. Now, what what, do you, what are we talking about? What passed away? Uh, one of our party members. She, she's uh, real small, uh, halfling, about four foot five. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely want to go to Chancellor with that one. Uh, well, it, you know, uh, I could be down there in an hour. You know, right now she's kind of smelling like mothballs, but, you know, if we get her in there, everything will be fine. Uh, well, you know, I don't, I don't partake in too much of that. Uh, we have, you know, we've tried to do things like that before, and the federal government normally comes in here and swarms in and shuts us down for things like that. What if I said I'd give you 3500 up front and nobody's got to know nothing? I could be down there no. in an hour. I'll throw her in my hatchback. I'll be down there in an hour. No, we make more than that. 15 minutes around here. Really? Okay, well, what's yeah, the... Yeah, well, that ain't worth it to us. I can tell you that. What What number are you looking for? Hey, look. Uh, that ain't a number. It can't be bought. We're can't... priceless around here. Priceless. Oh, yeah. All right, well, let's, uh, hey, I'll head on down to the next uh, freezer place, see if they want to make some money. Yeah, take it easy. Appreciate right. you. Thank you.
internet i'm back i hope you're back too um all right let's get into our topic actually before we get into our topic i just want to say someone in our chat seemed to really like that last song in our intermission if you caught it uh, man, really good music <laughs> so um glad you like that upright man all right uh now 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 
I'm going to use my radio voice. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't. It sounds a little too quiet. Uh, we're going to talk about campaign beginnings. Um, like I said before the break, uh, meeting in a tavern, I'm sure if you've even played one session of D&D, you know about meeting in a tavern. Not necessarily that you've experienced it, but you you must have heard about it, right? It is the quintessential start to most campaigns. Uh, that's that's probably stating incorrectness, um, but it's 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 known for being used as the 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 way to start a campaign. And here's where I really miss having Doc tonight because Doc is the guy who has played through a lot of these eras of D&D and can give me all the history, background knowledge, the tidbits that I don't have because I haven't been playing as long as he has, um, nor did I play any of those, you know, the older versions uh, before 3.5. But, you know, I can rely on my internet searching. <laughs> so I wanted to find out, how did, how did starting in a tavern begin? Um, and from what I found, I'm sure Doc is going to correct me next week, or if you guys in the chat know, let, you can correct me too. Here's what I found. Uh, so the Comeback Inn uh, is known to be the first tavern that campaign started in. Um, it was a prominent uh, aspect of Dave Arneson's Blackmore campaign, Adventures in Blackmore. And it was also set up as kind of a gateway between Blackmore and other worlds. So it was a great place to start. Uh, the concept, um, you know, of an inn is that it's, it's, a, it's a hub of information. It's a hub of transactions. Um, you can meet strangers in an inn. You can meet people that you've known for years in an inn. You know, there's, it's just a great place and and method of being able to start a campaign because you have access to so many things in an, in an inn or in a tavern right um so i think that's the reason that that it's so well known in history as as this is the way we start our campaigns i think it just it started there and because everyone experienced it that way this is this is just what we do um so, I hope I'm right on that. <laughs> also, I, you know, and I don't know if this is, because I think the writing of the Lord of the Rings was before uh, D&D, so who knows, but, you know, Frodo and his friends met Aragorn in The Prancing Pony, uh, so that could also be an early example of meeting in a tavern, like that's when the adventure begins I don't know you tell me how you guys feel about that but um, could be another reason why meeting in a tavern starting in a tavern is a thing and uh, for those of you that have never experienced meeting in a tavern I think the overall consensus is that it's it's not preferred once you've experienced it because it's kind of a passive beginning right you start in a tavern and if the D&D &D, or if the if the DM is lazy or inexperienced or I don't know maybe they just this is how they like to start their campaigns uh it, it's difficult I think for players it's awkward uh because you're kind of forced to have inorganic conversation you're forced to meet these people and be like for no reason at all like hey what are you doing here? Well, you know, it's like having the bland conversation, the talk about the weather. 
until something happens because the players don't really know what they need to do to kick off the adventure is is my thinking so meeting in a tavern i know has its very you know uh there's bad feedback on it because no one that i know has really enjoyed meeting in a tavern starting their campaign in a tavern uh so i wanted to ask i went out into the interwebs and started asking folks about starting in a tavern if you did start in a tavern you know and you liked it tell me why uh, or if you if you like starting your campaign that way as a dm explain to me you know like why do you like doing this or how do you do it and so on our own dungeon studio server uh mitchell mentioned that uh he participates in a west march style game so if you don't know what a west march style game is um it's kind of it's it's meant for large parties or maybe for parties where people can't necessarily commit to the regular schedule. So people can kind of fall in and out of the party as they need to. So each session could be a completely different set of players or maybe like half of them are regular and half of them are, they just show up when they can. And because of that, the West March style game kind of necessitates a a beginning, a start where, you know, everyone can congregate. Easiest place to be would be at a bar or a tavern. Um, so I thought that was very interesting. I have never participated in a West March style game. So that made sense to me. Of course, if you're going to be in that style of game, starting at a tavern every time, like, you know, they can just start there, catch up, and then now be on, on their way to do the thing. What I found interesting, what Mitchell told me, was that uh, the name of the bar or tavern owner is Sling, and the bar that they frequent is called the Sling Blade. Great name. And people just know that at this tavern, you don't, uh, they just, re- like, people will end up randomly dead. <laughs> so it's kind of one of those places where you don't, you don't mess around. It's neutral ground. And when he told me about this, it reminded me of... Um, the John Wick series and the hotels. Um, I'm sure there's an actual official name for their hotels, but um, the hotels in the John Wick series are like, you, you go there and business is conducted, but none of the dirty business. Don't kill people here, right? So I thought that was really interesting, very cool. And, and a good reason to need a tavern for your beginning. Um, some of the other online sources that I read Uh, They said that they don't mind starting in a tavern if there's a twist. And I say it, I say with a twist because so many people came at me with different scenarios that I have to kind of like sum it all up as you start in a tavern, but with a twist, whether it's um, you're in the tavern and instead of the characters meeting each other and like, okay, let's go on an adventure, like... They're in the tavern, but something happens. And now you're stuck in the action. Um, Or, uh, well, I'll I'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, so let's say you're in a tavern and the action happens. There were a couple notable ones that I really liked. Somebody said um, they started in a tavern, and but everyone that was in the tavern had actually been holed up in that tavern for a few days because there were undead walking around um kind of like had taken over the town and the tavern was the safe place and they had kind of boarded everything up and so they were in the tavern 
And so, you know, you can start, have your conversations, catch up, meet people. But then at some point, the undead break into the tavern. And I'm imagining the way that they describe this. It was like a, a two-story tavern. So they, the walking dead basically break in on the first floor. Everyone starts running towards the stairs. And there's a door that leads to the upstairs. And the door's locked. Because as they get to the door, there's a familiar voice on the other side, whether it's the tavern keeper or somebody, you know, the DM can decide. But there's a familiar voice on the other side saying, I'm not going to die. I'm not unlocking this door. So essentially, you are, you're now stuck in the action with nowhere to go but either to kill the undead or to break down this door and deal with this difficult NPC. So you're, you're dumped into the action in the tavern. I thought that was a really cool way to use the you know you start in a tavern scenario um somebody else uh said they started in a tavern but noticed that there was kind of a shady deal happening someone who had like scrolls like you know like hey i got scrolls for you you know you want to check out my scrolls and they pull out a scroll and the other person starts to read it and somehow they catch on that the person who's reading this scroll cannot look away. They are now forced to complete reading this scroll and they're reading it out loud. And the scroll summons an ogre. Now you could have it summon whatever you want, but basically it summons something in the tavern. And now you're stuck again in the tavern with the action happening and you have to deal with this ogre. So I thought that was two interesting ways to have the action start in the tavern. Uh, the other scenario, uh, I saw this online by Dungeons and Dads. They said the tavern isn't bad. Sometimes it just depends on where the tavern is. And then they proceeded to give examples of have a tavern, have them start in a tavern, but you're in the astral sea and through the windows you can see, you know, the space and time like flowing and uh, and there's... Um, I don't know who are some characters that would be in the astral sea, like Illithid or something. I might have that wrong, but in the tavern, like you're already in a tavern, but now it's so alien, so strange that it kind of makes it feel fresh, which I thought was another interesting take on starting in a tavern. So those are all some really great examples of starting in a tavern if you wanted to start in a tavern. But the majority of people I talked with were like, hell no we're not starting in a tavern Ta starting in a tavern is boring starting in a tavern is old it's whatever so for the weekly world building which <laughs> I guess I'll just do the world building uh, I thought it would be great to start discussion on ways that you can start a campaign that isn't a tavern um, so yeah went out to the interwebs asked folks about their non-tavern beginnings uh, and here are some of the notable comments that I saw. Chris on Facebook said that the way that they start their campaigns is they and I'm and this isn't the only person I've I've seen who said this, but I'm taking Chris's comment is that they start their sessions. They have their like session zero and the party is told where and how they will be beginning and they allow in their session zero for their players to collaboratively, I can speak, collaboratively discuss during their session zero how they came together as a group, their history, any funny things that have happened in the past, their connections, um, so that 
on session one, they're already a team. And essentially, you bypass the meeting part of it at all, whether it's meeting in a tavern or meeting anywhere else. You just completely skip straight into the action. So um, I know other people who have done that. Um, it's it's one way to do it so that you never have to start in a tavern. Um, let's see. I see in the chat here. Uh, oh, interesting. I would like to hear more about this. You like to split the party from the start. So that sounds to me, if I am interpreting that correctly, that let's say you have a party of six players, three of them are together and three of the other three are together and somehow on session one they meet and that is part of the 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 session that they somehow meet with some action happening let me know um okay i will get to, uh, chats coming up with some other things so i will get to that in just a second because you're you're taking some of my ideas people no you're not you guys are doing great all right um I'm going to say this wrong. It looks like Amadeus, but it looks, I think it's Amadamius. That's the name. Said that they begin their session with no characters. Okay, this I found really interesting. They begin their session with no characters. The players are there as just watchers. As the DM tells in a cinematic style the opening and somehow the BBEG is involved and there's a close call and then there's a call to action. And the BBEG is gone now, but you know, now there's a call to action. And then either has pre-generated characters for them all to choose from so that it, it cuts down on the character creation time. Or then if you're willing, you let them quickly create their characters and now we play. So I found that to be a, <laughs> I mean... Interesting, because you are giving them a little bit of, I mean, there's a way to give them an insight into the world, just like Chris, who said, I'm going to tell my party, I'm going to tell my players, this is how we're going to begin. And this is what it is. And you guys can create your characters. Or you show them with the story cinematically. So both very interesting. And then they create their characters. And then they they do. Thought that was cool. Uh, and then on the internet, um, I saw, this is kind of a one-to-one -one relation to starting in a tavern, but it could be different enough that it feels fresh. And that is starting in the main square or like market day of whatever city you're gonna be in. It's essentially the same thing as being in a tavern, starting in a tavern, but instead you're outside. You know, you still have shops. Um, you can, there's, a, it's a hub for transactions and rumors and strangers and locals and all kinds of things to happen. So that is another interesting thing I saw where if you're, if you like that format of starting in a tavern, but maybe want to change it up, start in the main square of your city on market day. So I thought that was some, some really, uh, notable options for not starting in a tavern. Let's see. All right. So now we are in our world building and I'm going to go to the chat here because they're coming up with some great ideas. So the one that I saw was starting in a jail. Uh, let's see here. Where did it go? I lost it. Yeah. Using a jail instead of a tavern makes a fun start. And by that, 
I'm assuming it is a jailbreak or a prison breakout, right? I've seen this before. I've never experienced it. But um, starting out with all your players as prisoners, whether or not they were innocent or guilty, you can let them decide. Maybe they were framed for a crime. Maybe they were framed for the same crime. That would be cool. Um, They could be prisoners of war. Or, you know, I'm sure one or two of your players, if they're funny like this, would say, oh, no, I'm totally guilty for what I did. Um, and they own up to it. Uh, but let e- each of your players come up with their own crime. You know, let them personalize it or or let them come up with why they're in jail. So that sounds really cool. A good way to start. Um, okay. Upright Man says, I let the players decide if they already know each other or not. Yes. I have experienced that myself. Um, in the game that I play in, the wizard and the bard that I told you about, they decided that their relationship on how they know each other is because, so the bard, uh, his name is you creature because he was a, like he was enslaved and, and grew up that way. So he never knew his name. He was always called you creature. And so he thinks his name is you. He doesn't know anything else more than that. And was saved by the wizard. And so from at the very beginning of the campaign, he looked at the wizard as if he was like, he's God. He saved me. He can do all these magical things with magic, right? But we were pretty low level. So as time went on and the wizard kind of fails doing this or that, he's like, oh, Oh, you're just a man. You're not a god, you know, but but they but they have some really interesting interactions. So they decided they were the only two in our game that decided they knew each other in advance. The rest of us didn't know each other. So that was pretty cool. Um, let's see. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna come up with a few other ideas here. So uh I talked with someone last week who said they like to start with what's called in media res which we kind of have touched on a bit bit and if you've heard of the the phrase in media res it means like you're starting in the middle of the action um i'm hoping some people on the chat or some people who listen to us have played final fantasy and i'm specifically referring to final fantasy 7 because it's the one opening i remember the most because i've replayed it so many times but in final fantasy 7 you literally start in the middle of breaking into a like a, a factory basically um and the one guy's just like i you know i'm here but everyone else knows each other he's the only one that doesn't know anybody and so they're telling him what to do and he's like what are we doing here so really interesting way to start a campaign i would say is in media res with the action already happening um yeah and and, and i don't know if this is considered in media res i would think this is more something else so my homebrew campaign I started everyone in a in a in an arena like gladiator Um, but I allowed them as players to kind of watch I described um, the team that went ahead of them so they could see what this um, arena challenge was all about and basically the queen of this city had um called for these these special games because she was um, giving up her queendom, if you will, and turning it into a council. And they they already had the majority of their council members, but they were looking for one more 
council member and they decided that they would hold um, like a gladiator competition and whoever won would gain the right to be on their council. And so that's how I started the campaign. Now they got to see the the one party, the the fake NPC party play out. And they were like, oh, this is great. This is easy. We can totally get through this. So then it was their turn. And then they got to play. And But during their round of the gladiator competition, something happened. There was There were monsters in the arena. And the queen was in danger. And so now they are not only fighting these gladiator monsters, but now they're having to save the queen. So that was... A whole that was that was how I started my homebrew campaign. <laughs> um, kind of, I guess you could say, in the in media res, in the middle of action, I guess. Also, even if you didn't do that, you could start just with a gladiator competition. Um, maybe you could. I actually heard. Oh man, I don't remember who it was, but I heard two people talking about starting with a gladiator competition, but instead of them fighting monsters, you actually end up having the players fight each other. Like, could you imagine describing the start of the session and you you describe the gate coming up and you walk out to the center of the arena and then you see the other gates rise up and you start having the players describe what they look like and the realization on their faces when they're like, oh, oh, we're fighting each other. <laughs> um, could be an interesting way to start. Could be deadly. I don't know. You'd have to figure that out. Um, Okay. I mentioned slaves before. Now, this is a touchy subject nowadays, obviously. Um, There's a lot of, you know, when you start your campaigns, you have um, discussions with your players about what is, you know, acceptable in your campaign for everyone to play in and what are, like, what are hard no's. And slavery is something that some people just don't want to play through and that's completely okay so I would say that as long as you have this discussion with your party and they are okay with it starting out as slaves is a campaign beginning that I have heard about I would say that it's probably not popular now but being even if you're not slaves per se but again you can kind of go back to the prison breakout you are in a a chain gang working on a railroad kind of thing or you're chained together building you know repairing a building um something to that effect uh maybe you're about to be sold then i think then you're really a slave i don't know um how do you get out of it you know that kind of situation you could also maybe, you know, turn uh, subvert the trope, right? Instead of being like a tortured slave, you know, where you're t- maltreated, um, it could be something more like an indentured servant. Like um, you're all uh, uh, not butlers, but you know what I mean? Like you work for a king and queen who treat you really well and you're all there in the castle and then something happens. Um, so that's a way to tackle that. Uh topic hopefully uh without you know going into the red red line area um let's see here okay uh shipwreck that's another one that i heard and that one sounds i I think that could be very interesting because you could do that so many ways um everyone's on the same ship be it airship oh an airship would be even better okay let me i'm gonna come back to that but you're in a ship on the ocean 
and you guys could meet, you guys can talk, get to know each other, and then something happens and the ship is sinking. There could be a um, skill challenge to try to save the ship. Uh, and then if they don't, you shipwreck. I mean, so either you're starting with a skill challenge to save a ship and that gets them going, or they shipwreck and then they land on an island um, and you can start there. You could even start post shipwreck and just start everybody on an island and nobody knows each other, but they all see each other within range. And there are a few items that have washed up to shore that get them started. Um, so you could even start that way. Uh, oh, this is interesting. I wanted to see this. I have done one where they were captured with no equipment or weapons and a silent spell on the cage and a tarp over the cage so they can't see. It just sounds like they're starting in a black hole. What do they do? I want to hear about this. All right. Um, let's see. So we've got in media res prison breakouts, slavery or indentured servitude or, you know, working for a king and queen somehow. Uh, shipwrecks. Oh, I wanted to go back to airships. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine being on an airship and it's going down? That's a good way to start. And again, go back to the skill challenge or uh, maybe there's a situation where you can tip off one of the players that like there's, I don't know, parachutes. It wouldn't be parachutes, but it would be like the fantasy equivalent, something like that, you know, so that they can get off the air, the, the crashing airship safely. Um, okay. Uh, similar to the main square market day thing, you could start off in a festival that's always really fun because characters are low level. So it feels a little more like a low risk way to start. I mean, what could possibly happen at a festival that would be harmful to you? Um, so they could have a lot of fun first and then you can throw something at them. Something happens. One of the creatures gets out of its cage. Um, there could be something very nefarious with shady people uh, in the festival that they see something happening. Um if it's not a festival, you could do something like a like a trade fair. Like, um, again, I, I'm kind of going back to that market day thing, but it could be like, uh, you know, everybody's got their wares for sale or maybe it's more like they're developing things. Um, I've developed this new fishing rod and I'm going to display it and sell it kind of like an expo. That could be cool. So they can kind of see something happening, see some something being shown, and then something happens. Uh, let's see. I've also... Oh, interesting. Okay, so going back to the one where I said it was like a black hole, so you can't see. There's a silent spell on the cage, and he says when you can't speak to each other, you have to be very resourceful in your planning. I do, I do agree with you there. When you really take things, I don't want to say take things away, but it is kind of as a DM, you're taking things away from your players, whether it's the ability to do this or the ability to do that. But when you kind of strip those away from an encounter, it does really force players to get really creative with the things that they have or how they do it. Uh, DM tip for you there. All right, a couple more ideas. Let's see. Uh, there's a royal wedding. 
You could have a wedding. And maybe it wouldn't even have to be royal, but maybe some kind of a dignitary, some kind of large scale event where, again, you want to bring in lots of people so that there's opportunity for rumors, shady people, and something to happen. Um, Along the lines of a royal wedding, you could have like a costumed ball or a masked ball. That adds a level, uh, like a layer of... um, uh, mystery because you can't see people's faces. Oh, that would be great because then something happens and they get away and you don't really have a good description of what they look like. Um, you do the same thing with like a funeral. Maybe it's a funeral for somebody who's famous or somebody who's highly revered, king or queen, something like that. Uh, I, Me and my friends have talked about starting this way uh, in a future campaign, doing kind of a traveling caravan or a traveling circus and all being members of the circus. I love that idea. My next character that I have kind of tucked away in the back of my brain would fit in very well with a circus. Um, So that could be really, really fun. And you have, again, people who would come to see the circus. And so you you have strangers about everywhere. All kinds of things could happen. Or they could just be traveling. There's tons of things that happen on the road, uh, bandits and such that you can use to start your campaign. Uh, I already covered the arena, the gladiator, but you could also expand that to be some kind of a, like a other tournament, um, whether it's like some kind of a skilled tournament archery you know something to that effect some sporting event something to that effect really stretch out like what that could be it doesn't have to be gladiator uh i have not used this to start a campaign but i have used this in a game for like a big dramatic moment and that is during an announcement or speech from your you know, mayor, your queen, your king, what have you, a big speech where they're about to announce something. And either the announcement is the thing that's shocking, uh, whether it's like, uh, now we're going to let the bad guys run our town, (laughs) something to that effect. Or um, if it's not the announcement, then it's during the announcement that something's happening that your party can see or catch. And maybe they try to stop. Um, as part of the beginning of a campaign. Uh, Going along those lines, an execution. Again, make sure you talk with your party and make sure they're okay with whatever material you're going to be using in your campaign. Some people might not like this start. I am very okay with the deep, dark, gory, bloody anything in the games. So starting off with an execution, I would love that. (laughs) I would be actually very interested in finding out who's being executed. Why are they being executed? Uh, Maybe, depending on your DM, whoever's being executed could be tied to a player's backstory. Start it off there. Again, get personal. And if the person who's being executed is in their backstory, they're going to do whatever they can to stop it. And you're already off. You're already starting the campaign. Um, What else? There could be an uprising or a riot. Uh, If you're going to do a city speech announcement thing, instead of there being bad guys, what if there's a riot and something happens to a player? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'll workshop that one a little bit. But um, it could be 
I like the uprising better than the riot now that I think about it because you could incorporate a secret guild, a secret, um, yeah, a secret guild, a secret, uh, why can't I think of it? Um, you know, the people that worship things and they're culty, cultists. Thank you. Uh, I don't know who I'm thinking. I thought of it myself, but thank you anyway. <laughs> But cultists, so there could be like some kind of an uprising in the middle of an announcement or speech. Um, and again, try to find a way to make it personal. Maybe whatever organization is starting the uprising is tied to a player's backstory. Or maybe somehow during the uprising, part of what they're doing, they take one of the players and use them as part of the display um, to harm them, to show their power could be something like that uh and then I think I've seen this one a few times and I'm not saying it's not a it's it's not a bad way to start at all I just for some reason I have a hard time incorporating this one into my games and that is save a player right so you have your players ready to start the session and one or more of them is stuck in a situation where they need help and they're calling out for help and then the other party or the other, the rest of the party happens to see it and they help. And that's how they meet and that's how they decide to move forward as a team. The reason I have trouble with this is because, and maybe this is because of my friends, because some of my friends can be shitheads, but I could just imagine being those players that see the other players going, help me, help me. And they're like, yeah, nah. And they just turn around. And then what do you do as a DM, right? So the save a player... For me, I feel like it's problematic. I would love to hear if you have a save a player scenario that actually worked where, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like it could be railroady, like you're forcing them to save this player. So very interesting. Uh, yeah. All right. So those are all the ideas that I could come up with. I feel like, oh, there was one more. Sorry. There was one more that I missed. This one again I saw it online, so I thought it was, it, it's an idea people have used, obviously, but I'm a little confused by it, and that is your party starts out being raised from the dead, but there's no one there, so they don't know how they were raised from the dead. I'm not even sure how they would know they were dead. There would have to be some kind of signs or a scene that you describe. Maybe they're in graves that they have to dig themselves out of. I don't know. But you start the campaign where they they have somehow been raised from the dead, but they have to figure out how and why and start the campaign that way. So again, really cool and interesting. I would have to really think about how I would incorporate that so it doesn't feel, uh, I don't know, like surface level thinking. Like there, there needs to, it, I guess what, what Doc would say is it needs to feel grounded in the campaign. So... Okay, I think those are all my ideas. I'm just going to check the chat here real quick. Sounds like you guys are having great discussion about how to start campaigns. So I guess that's all I have for you tonight. Uh, we've been on for... Uh, hey, hey guys, I did this by myself and I was able to fill in the same amount of time. You know what that means? That just means I have a lot of hot air and I can keep talking. <laughs> But anyway, so I want to tell you guys, uh, I hope that you like the show. I I think that it's going to be a lot better next week when we have other people here. Um, 
I hope that you come find us on our Facebook, like, share, and subscribe. Uh, we're also not just on Facebook. Um, check out our website to support us. We are dungeonstudios.co. Uh, you can check out all the products that we have on our website. We have other um, we have other shows as well. So please come check us out and support us. Uh, we are trying to increase our presence on all the other podcasting platforms and YouTube. Um, so if you find us there on YouTube, please subscribe. Because as soon as we get to a thousand subscribers, we'll be able to stream live on YouTube. And I'm sure that'll be a lot easier for everyone involved. Uh, you can also find our podcast on all the other podcasting platforms. Amazon, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and our website. Uh, and I'm sure there's some I'm missing because we're out there all over the place. And then lastly, I would tell you that if you like what you hear and you just want to come chat with us, come find us on Discord, join our community. Uh, we are on all the time. We talk all the time with everyone there. Um, we share our ideas there sometimes before we even talk about it on the podcast. Uh, and then we have uh, games that we run. We've been looking for play testers. Uh, we're always looking for creatives, so if you have any experience with, you know, doing digital art, voice acting, we have tons of voice actors in our fold. Um, just, just come find us and hang out, and and maybe you'll get to be a part of us. Uh, otherwise, I think that's it for tonight. I just want to remind you guys that Mondays can be fun days when you talk nerdy with friends, and I'm gonna say that I talked with you guys chat, <laughs> so it was definitely fun. Hope you guys enjoy your night and we'll talk to you soon. Have a good night.